This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line, by the way, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, so enjoy them. They're on us. That's freetalklive.com. To Jacob Hornberger and lourockwell.com. We've had Jacob on the show in the past. He is uh, the founder, the president, I believe, of the Future of Freedom Foundation. And he's got uh, he's got an article that's fairly lengthy, but it outlines a critical dilemma facing pro-war libertarians, which, of course, is a uh, seems to be a contradiction in terms to me. These liber- so-called libertarians like, say, Neil Bortz, uh, who support vehemently the war in Iraq, uh, preemptive strikes, these sorts of concepts, how it is that they've uh, gotten themselves into a bit of a pickle. And uh, I'd love to hear from you, uh, your thoughts on this at 800-259-9231. Jacob says, the 9-11 attacks exposed a major fault line in the libertarian movement. Mm -hmm. On one side of the divide were those libertarians who contended that the 9-11 attacks were a direct consequence of U.S. foreign policy, specifically the bad things that the federal government had done to people overseas, especially the Middle East. Therefore, those libertarians argued the only real long-term solution to terrorism against the United States lay in reining in the federal government's actions overseas, by such actions as bringing home U.S. troops stationed overseas, dismantling the military-industrial complex, including the 700 or so military bases we have in different countries, or 130 countries, I believe, abolishing the CIA, discontinuing foreign aid, ending U.S. invasions and occupations, and prohibiting federal meddling in the affairs of other nations. Now, I would fall into the category of that type of libertarian. Me too. And at the beginning of the war, you weren't quite so much. No, um, I was, you know, I was, I was more on the, uh, the side that, uh, you know, the, the pro-war side. But you have changed. I have you realized the error of your ways, and I know what the uh, I know what the schism's all about too. What's it all about? Well, it's all about whether or not you believe that the Muslims are um, evil creatures that are you know out for our blood and hate us because of our freedom. Well, it's also whether or not you believe government can do anything about it. I guess, but these are people who believe government can um, solve problems with force around the world. I I understand what you're saying, but I think that it's more um, to the point to my point because if you think that uh, Muslims are bad people, all Muslims are bad people. It's their religion to uh, kill us or convert us, you know that that kind of rhetoric. Then you're going to believe that we should go over and kill them. On the other side of the divide, well, now that's now that's not necessarily the case. Not when necessarily. You say the, when you use the term "we," even if you believe that all Muslims are evil, it doesn't necessarily follow that you believe the government should be the uh, the, the problem solver. Like, you yourself could go on a holy crusade against Muslims and, uh, by all means, have fun with that. I would say that um, there are very, very few people that would fit into the category you're talking about. I agree with you. Uh, On the other side of the divide, there were those libertarians who immediately after the 9-11 attacks aligned themselves with conservatives. Viewing the attacks as an act of war, they favored giving the president full authority to wage the global war on terror. This was no time to analyze or discuss U.S. foreign policy, said these libertarians. This was the time to hike military spending, take off the gloves, and unleash the CIA and the U.S. military to fight an enemy, terrorism, that was arguably more dangerous than the communist threat that America faced during the Cold War. Today, pro-war libertarians are faced with what is possibly the greatest moral and philosophical dilemma of their lives. 
No one can deny that we now live in a country in which the president, on his own initiative, has the omnipotent power to send the nation into war against any country on earth, especially given that the war on terror uh, allegedly extends all over the globe. Now, if if you'd look back and see how uh, we vilified the Japanese in World War II, we... You know, call, call them all kinds of animals and, um, you know, talked about what evil little yellow men they were and, and all kinds of things like that. Now, these same Japanese people, the same people, are our friends. And we don't have any problems with them at all, especially when their economy isn't doing so great. We, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 80s, it was, a, it was a little touch and go. But now, no, no problem at all. We don't, we don't dislike them. And it just goes to show how we believe the propaganda. You mean... The, the propaganda, propaganda of the government. The government's propaganda for war. Government loves war. And war is the health of the state. It really is. The president, the CIA, and the military have the power to take any suspected terrorist, foreigner, or American into custody and torture, abuse, and execute him without due process of law and trial by jury. The president and the NSA have the power to wiretap phones and monitor emails without a judicially issued warrant. The president, CIA, and the military have the power to send missiles into cars and drop bombs into buildings anywhere in the world, including right here in the United States, in their attempt to win the war on terror. Indeed, the president wields the power to ignore any constitutional or legislative restraints on his power as a wartime commander-in-chief. The critical importance of civil liberties has traditionally been a blind spot for so-called conservatives, focusing their attention almost exclusively on economic liberties, such as the minimum wage law, economic regulations, and excessive taxation. They've traditionally denigrated the importance of civil liberties. Their long, brutal war on drugs, for example, has always been accompanied by their mocking of the constitutional safeguards pertaining to search and seizure, protection from self-incrimination, and right to counsel. For conservatives, the protections of the Fourth, Fifth, Sixth, and Eighth Amendments are nothing more than constitutional technicalities. Thus, when the President and the Pentagon established their detention facility in Cuba for the precise purpose of avoiding the constraints of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights... What, cons- else, what else would be the reason? Conservatives applauded. The last thing government needed, conservatives felt, was a bunch of fierce criminal defense attorneys fighting to defend the terrorists. The post-9-11 conservative mindset was that the only good terrorist was a tortured or dead terrorist. Never mind that the President, the CIA, and the Pentagon, rather than a federal jury before... Uh, rather than a federal jury before an independent federal judge, now wielded the omnipotent power to decide who was a terrorist and therefore subject to being arbitrarily tortured, abused, and killed. Yeah, and I'm, not sure that I, I'm not sure I disagree that the only good terrorist is a dead terrorist. I think I do agree that, with that. But Unfortunately, the terrorists are in charge of Washington, D.C. Oh, um, maybe so, but what, what I'm talking about is... Uh, you know, Al-Qaeda members that would blow up things or targets here in America mm-hmm. um, that would threaten us. But, you know, how do you know if you don't give somebody a trial? You don't. And, you know, when it comes to this prisoner of war thing, we have a very unusual circumstance going on here um, in the world. We're now fighting an enemy that doesn't is in a country. Mm-hmm. And how it's do you... It's a concept. It is. It's a concept. And George Bush himself has said, we're going to be doing this for a very long time. How do you decide when to release these people? I mean, when you, when you were at, at war with Germany and the war was over, you left, let the Germans go back home. That's the idea, yeah. But now, you know, these terrorists, when are they going to be, you know, these, these people, um, when are they going to be released? And, you know, how did we get... Some have been released, some but there's still been. a bunch there. And um, some have been, and then some have been recaptured doing more terrorist stuff. Allegedly. Allegedly. But 
you know, why did they do it? Did they do it the first time um, or not? And then the second time, did they do it because they were upset because they, they were thrown in a they were thrown blink? in jail for God knows how long without any kind of trial and tortured? I mean, it's very difficult. Are we creating terrorists or are we capturing terrorists? I, I, think would, we're I would go with the former. Yeah, creating them. Uh, we're giving them reasons to hate the United States government. And I don't just mean the, the detainment creating them. I mean the war in general creating them. You know, I was looking, uh, I was looking at an interview of Ahmadinejad, the yes. guy from Iran. Mm-hmm. I guess ABC News got an exclusive interview with him. and Kissed uh, his butt the whole way. And he was, he was uh, very rightly pointing out that uh, the world doesn't hate Ameri- the American people. They hate the American government. Mm. And that's accurate. It's the government that's creating all of these problems. It's the government that uh, that waged uh, that, that waged all the, the the CIA terror in the Middle East and uh, and as a result created people who hate us who hate the United States government uh, not us because I'm not part of it and that's why the 9/11 attacks were carried out I don't want to hear from anybody that says it was the government that did it I don't know I don't know who exactly was behind it but I can tell you that the reason the world hates the United States is because of the government. Right, we're just going on the assumption that 9-11 attacks occurred by, um, you know, by some terrorists. And never mind that countless innocent people were caught up during the sweep. The reason that conservatives have long bashed such liberal groups as the ACLU, Human Rights Watch, and Amnesty International is not simply because as liberals they hold socialist economic views or because such groups were viewed by conservatives as subversive organizations. What is the reason they've long bashed those groups? We'll look into that on the way. Liberals, conservatives, whatever these words mean anymore, I don't really even think they mean very much. But I want to hear from you, 800-259-9231. What does liberal and conservative mean to you anyway? This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And that's 1-800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line. You can also join us online on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki. Over a 1,000 pages have been created by listeners like you. It's the listener-editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Is it the right to bear arms? Register now for the February 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Panelists including pro-Second Amendment New Hampshire state representatives and gun organizations, as well as Bill Westmiller, the national chairman of the Republican Liberty Caucus. Visit freestateproject.org slash libertyforum for more information. And to get registered, that's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. But time is a running out. Mm -hmm. You have literally just over a week to get your registration in for this event, because it's starting this coming, uh, not tomorrow, but the following Friday. So the 23rd through the 25th, you're going to want to be there. It's going to be exciting. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of interesting people to meet, and a lot of fun to be had, I believe. So looking forward to that. 1-800-259-9231. Talking about conservatives and liberals, whatever those words mean, we're sort of using them in a very generic sense uh, Jacob Hornberger, The Critical Dilemma Facing Pro-War Libertarians. As Jacob points out, there's been a divide ever since the 9-11 attacks. There's been a divide in the libertarian world between anti-war libertarians and so-called pro-war libertarians. And, of course, I don't believe you can possibly be a libertarian and be in favor of this particular war. So these people, in my opinion, are seriously misguided. But Jake, um, Jacob's talking about... Um, 
the reason why conservatives have long bashed liberal groups, so-called, like the ACLU, Human Rights Watch, and Amnesty International, he, he says it's not just because they hold socialist economic views. After all, conservatives today also hold socialist economic views in that they support all of this wealth redistribution that we have. They aren't advocating for the repeal of any of it. Not too much. They, you generally don't like welfare. Conservative anti- uh, antipathy. But, you know, when it comes to, to disliking welfare, it seems very unfair to me that uh, conservatives uh, support all kinds of other wealth redistribution sure. programs, but they don't like helping poor people. What are you kidding me? You're just greedy. Conservative antipathy towards such groups has also been based on the latter's ardent support of civil liberties, that is, the so-called liberal groups. It's not a coincidence that ever since 9-11, it's been mostly liberal groups, not conservative ones, that have been fighting against the torture and murder of prisoners and detainees at Bagram, Abu uh, Abu Ghraib, Guantanamo, and the secret overseas prison camps that were operated by the CIA, probably still are. Conservatives have uh, long been known for using libertarian rhetoric in economics, while at the same time embracing statism in practice, just as liberals have been famous for their civil liberties rhetoric while embracing statism in economic rights and gun rights. Everyone's familiar with the standard conservative mantra of free enterprise, private property, and limited government that conservative organizations have on their stationery, websites, and promotional brochures. But we're also familiar with their support of public, i.e. government schooling, social security, Medicare, Medicaid, income taxation, the drug war, regulations, and many other governmental programs that obviously violate the principles of free enterprise, private property, and limited government. Then this is something we've pointed out many times, is that, you know, at least when it comes to liberals, at least they're honest about wanting more government. They they pretty much are. They'll tell you straight to their face that, yeah, government needs to be bigger. But a conservative will say, oh, yeah, we need smaller government. But then when you elect them, they make government bigger, too. Jacob says we're also familiar with their... I think that liberals lie come, comes in in uh, equality. Helping the poor. Yeah, yeah, they say they want to help the poor, but their government programs hurt the poor. And, uh, you know, when it comes to equality and racial issues, I don't think that most of the the, the people in government... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I believe. The fact is that long ago, conservatives threw in the towel with respect to achieving a society based on a truly free market, limited government principles. For decades, they've committed their lives to big government and to figuring out how to take control of big government. Thus, today they're... Free market proposals and policy prescriptions are limited to reform, social security reform, health care reform, drug war reform, and so forth. Reform, reform, reform. That's what passes for freedom in today's conservative movement. While that contradiction within conservatism has never bothered conservatives, it's never escaped the attention of people like us, libertarians. Right. Especially those libertarians who were conservatives before they became libertarians. Libertarians have long understood that conservatives have been holding contradictory philosophies within themselves. The philosophy of libertarianism is uh, reflected in their rhetoric, and the philosophy of statism as reflected in their support of socialist and interventionist programs. Over the years, conservatives, and this is one of the reasons why so many people, so many uh, former conservatives, are sick and tired of the crap. They're leaving in droves, and they should be. They've been lied to. Over the years, conservatives have often mocked, uh, mocked libertarians over the fact that the general public hasn't yet embraced the libertarian philosophy. What conservatives could not deny, however, was that at least libertarians hewed to a consistent philosophy, one that didn't cause the libertarian to war against himself through a commitment to contradictory principles. Genuinely believing in a free society, a society based on free markets, private property, 
and really limited government, libertarians have always favored the repeal, not the reform, of such socialist and interventionist programs as government schooling, Medicare, Medicaid, income taxation, the drug war, and economic regulations. We don't call for mealy-mouthed incrementalism. We're calling for the full repeal of these programs. That's what we want. I'll take an incremental solution. Same here. But I'm not going to stop calling for what the right thing to do is. And the right thing to do is end forced wealth redistribution. Equally important, despite the fact that libertarian philosophy has still not captured the support of the American people, libertarians have never abandoned their commitment to the free market limited government paradigm for the sake of credibility or respectability or to achieve political power as the conservatives have. For libertarians, what has always mattered most are principle and integrity. Yet libertarians who hold conservative views on foreign policy are now faced with what may well be the greatest moral and philosophical dilemma of their lives. By hewing to a conservative foreign policy and a libertarian domestic policy, they themselves are now holding contradictory philosophies. Even worse, these two contradictory ideas can't coexist in the long run. Because a conservative foreign policy is a growing cancer that is destroying freedom at home. It really is. Um, just the, it's the conservative philosophy, that um, foreign policy philosophy, that, it, that causes us to have the CIA, the FBI, you know, all these organizations. The TSA? The TSA, the Border Patrol, all these Crackdowns? Things. If it wasn't for... Passports at the Canadian border and Mexican border? Uh, don't forget uh, random checks of uh, citizens on the roads. Yep. They're doing Roving that, too. Roving roadblocks. It's crazy. And all these things, you know, go against our civil liberties, it, it, the drug war um, also. But, you know, if it wasn't for these conservative philosophies warring against our civil liberties, there wouldn't be a problem. Conservatives wouldn't have a problem with our uh, Bill of Rights then. But they have to stop the terrorists. Mm-hmm. So our Bill of Rights comes second. To Shove stopping, it is what they're saying yeah. to the Bill of Rights. How can any of the powers now wielded by the president, the CIA, and the military be reconciled with the principles of a free society, especially from a libertarian standpoint? They can't. If a government has the power to arbitrarily take anyone into custody and torture and kill him, as they do now, as of the Military Commissions Act of 2006, in case you're just tuning in, uh, the government, absolutely, the United States government has seized all of the powers that he's talking about. Military courts, star chambers, military tribunals, secret trials. It can all be done now, legally so-called, right here in the land of the free Something seriously amiss with these people. 800-259-9231. More about the divide between the libertarian camps and the, as he puts it, the greatest moral and philosophical dilemma these individuals will face. Your calls as well. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8.net toll free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Live streams available broadband and dial-up versions of the show. Two flavors should fit virtually any internet connection. Totally free at freetalklive.com. What do Adam Smith, Karl Marx, and John Maynard Keynes have in common? Well, they're the subjects of laissez-faire books, January Lysander Spooner Award winner. In this new book, 
Mark Skousen turns his eye on the three most prominent figures in economics. Check out The Big Three in Economics and other books and videos on liberty at lfb.com. Laissez-faire books, lfb.com. So we're talking about a uh, study in contradictions. Libertarians who are supposedly, well, people who are allegedly libertarians that support the war in Iraq, uh, that support preemptive strikes, that support all these concepts that we've been presented with here in, uh, in the United States in the last five years. And Jacob Hornberger from the Future of Freedom Foundations, writing at LewRockwell.com, pointing out that these libertarians, these so-called pro-war libertarians, are now facing the greatest moral and philosophical dilemma of their lives. Essentially, by hewing to a conservative foreign policy and a libertarian domestic policy, they're holding a, well, a bit of a contradictory position, in that if a government has the power to arbitrarily take anyone into custody and torture and kill him, as the government now can do, legally... How can the citizenry in that society truly be considered free? Even if there's freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, and the freedom to vote, and even the freedom to own guns. And by the way, the freedom of the press one is under under attack. They've been jumping all over uh, the press for revealing certain things about government programs, and it's I think it's only going to be a matter of time now before we have some regulations passed for uh, uh, against press freedom. I, I would say that it's it's likely too. You know, you imagine if we had a small Central central government, and we didn't have the military in 131 mm-hmm. uh, countries around the world. Imagine they were all at home, and some defensive force. Right, it was a defensive force. Would we care about what the press reported on as far as our um, you know intelligence information? Would it matter? I don't think so. If we weren't out, um, you know, looking for. Muslims under this rock and communists is under that one and fascists is under that one, um, then what the heck? We wouldn't need to worry about all those things. It's it, this is where the uh, the intelligence thing runs up against free press, and well, really the problem is our intelligence, not our free press. And of course, government intelligence is an oxymoron to begin with. All such as we're going to talk about in uh, we're going to talk about NASA a little bit later, but all such freedoms are meaningless if the government has the power to arrest, torture, and execute anybody at once let alone do it all in a secret court, as they can now do. Recall the movie Braveheart, which depicted the period in English history when the English king and his minions possessed and exercised the right to rape a newlywed bride on her wedding night. Can anyone imagine the woman's husband exclaiming as his wife was carted away, Well, at least we can peacefully protest the king's actions without being thrown into jail. In fact... Even the right of habeas corpus would be ineffective in such a case because the judge at the habeas corpus hearing would hold that under the law the government has the right to rape the bride and therefore he would deny habeas corpus relief. Thus the core problem would remain that government officials would possess the power to rape, which they do possess that power. They're just not exercising it. Thank goodness. Or imagine a suspected terrorist being stretched on the rack or subjected to waterboarding, screaming, I have the right to criticize the government under principles of freedom of speech. His torturers would respond, well, of course you do. But we have rights, too, including the right to arrest, torture, abuse, and kill you without judicial interference. Thus, again, the problem lies in the fact that government possesses the power to arbitrarily arrest and torture people. That's what 9-11 accomplished. It exposed the horrible reality of what an imperial interventionist foreign policy has brought to our nation and the American people. We not only live in a nation whose government has troops in more than 100 foreign countries, that's occupying Afghanistan and Iraq, that's threatening new wars against Iran and North Korea, and claims the authority to drop bombs on any country on Earth. 
We also live in a country in which omnipotent power over the citizenry by the president, CIA, and military is part and parcel of that foreign policy. After all, despite the manifest evidence of kidnapping, torture, and murder of prisoners and detainees at the hands of CIA agents, how many CIA agents have been brought to account by either the uh, Justice Department or the Congress? None. That's correct. How many have been arrested and charged for such crimes? None. Correct. How many have been indicted? None. That's correct. The only potential criminal prosecution of CIA agents is coming from foreign countries, such as Italy and Germany, where prosecutors are seeking criminal indictments against CIA agents for kidnapping and uh, conspiring to torture in those countries. When it comes to the CIA, unfortunately, all too many people get scared, turn away, and remain silent. That's what omnipotent government tends to do to people. How can a nation whose government has an untold number of of secret agents operating with secret budgets, following secret orders, and wielding the authority to kidnap, torture, and murder with impunity even remotely be reconciled with the principles of a free society, especially from a libertarian standpoint? Fact is, it can't. Now, you might be awfully comfy in this fascistic, socialistic society we live in. You've got your televisions, your laptops, your internet, your... uh, American Idol. You've got all these nice little comforts, air conditioning, refrigeration, food, supermarkets. You've got all these wonderful um, uh, things that you have access to. And that's one of the reasons why Americans are just not speaking out, in my opinion. They're just too damn comfy. Well, we don't run up against the government that often. TSA, you know, um, perhaps if a uh, cop turns on his lights and, you know, goes past you. Maybe we need more roadblocks to uh, really get Americans to key in. Some may think that there really isn't any cause for concern. And when I say we, I, I guess I mean the uh, the respectables. Um, uh, you know, the, the the people in America who are... The business folk, yeah, the you know, elites, the people who aren't disheveled. Middle class, upper middle class. beat up vehicles. Right, you know, you've got a, a nice car and a nice house and you're the right color. You don't have to worry about those things. Some might think there really isn't any cause for concern because most of the suspected terrorists that U.S. officials are incarcerating, torturing, and killing are are foreigners and not Americans. After all, they've arrested, incarcerated, and denied the right to counsel, due process, and jury trials only to two Americans, Yasser Hamadi and Jose Padilla, at least two that we know about. Right. What's the big deal? Well, for one thing, freedom isn't defined by the extent to which a wrongful power is being exercised by the government, but rather by whether the wrongful power is possessed and able to be exercised. Second, U.S. officials reserve the power to subject all Americans to the same treatment which all other suspected terrorists have been subjected, meaning you could be the next Jose Padilla. Odds are against it, but you could. Third, to think that the exercise of such power will be limited to Only one or two Americans reflects naivete in the extreme. The fact is, the feds could have easily treated Hamdi and Padilla to the same abuse and torture accorded to the suspects at Guantanamo, uh, the CIA secret torture facilities, or they could have transported them to Syria, Egypt, or Jordan, or any other friendly, brutal regime for torture, as they did to an innocent Canadian citizen falsely accused of being a terrorist. We reported on that story. It was only political considerations that inhibited the U.S. officials from subjecting American terror suspects to the full panoply of mistreatment to which they've been subjecting foreign terror suspects. But let there be one or two more major terrorist attacks in the United States, and all bets are off, baby. Americans will inevitably witness the full power of Leviathan unleashed. And if that day comes, 
All too many Americans will realize that the time for protest was long before it became too dangerous to protest. Now, of course, we've seen stories all over the place about how the CIA and uh, various police agencies around the country have infiltrated anti-war groups, have uh, actually set up some of the protests because they've, they've taken such positions of control in some of these groups. They've been monitoring them. They've been keeping tabs on them as though they're terrorists. Some libertarians might be harking back to what may seem to them has been the halcyon days of pre-9-11, where it seemed possible to favor a conservative foreign policy, euphemistically described as a strong national defense, while favoring libertarianism, i.e. limited government, in domestic policy. That wasn't reality. It was just fanciful thinking in a make-believe world. It was like saying, I favor lightning, but I am firmly against thunder. The 9-11 attack simply exposed what's been going on for many decades and continues to occur at an ever-increasing pace. The movement of our nation away from its founding principles of a republic and into the direction of empire, militarism, and intervention. 1-800-259-9231. A few more thoughts on the divide between libertarians, liberals, conservatives, war, anti-war. Your thoughts, 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the Packet8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. It's a place to go. Enjoy all the features there. They're totally free. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show with a simple vote. And by the way, this month, I think, has been our best month yet, Mark, in over uh, almost, what, two years now of podcasting? it's been our best month for uh, vote totals. We are over 1,200 votes, which is excellent. Almost 1,300. But that Potter kid is on our heels, he nipping is, at our heels. He's yeah. less than 20 votes away. Harry Potter is uh, is trying to crush us yet again. How sad would it be if we got the most votes that we've ever gotten and we're number two? Yeah, by a few votes. I mean, it's neck and neck essentially right now. But right now we're number one. We need to stay number one, and we can do it if you go and vote at... Vote.freetalklive.com. That's vote.freetalklive.com. Takes you less than a minute. All you need your email address. Uh, email address. It will not be sold. It will not be spammed. It just goes to help us keep uh, uh, keep us at number one, which means more new people finding the show, and that's a good thing. We're talking about libertarians and war. Those so-called libertarians that support the war in Iraq and preemptive strikes and those sorts of concepts, and of course by proxy torture and destroying habeas corpus, and how you could possibly call yourself a libertarian, I don't know. But as Jacob Hornberger from the Future of Freedom Foundation points out, the 9-11 attack simply exposed what's been going on for decades here in America, and that it continues to increase, uh, to occur at an ever-increasing pace. The movement of our nation away from its founding principles of a republic in the direction of empire, militarism, and intervention. Equally important... The reality is that such federal programs as the War on Terror, the invasion and occupation of Afghanistan and Iraq, and the impending attack on Iran, along with the omnipotent powers that the President, CIA, NSA, and the Pentagon now wield against the American people, are inherent, integ- uh, integral, inescapable parts of that foreign policy. If one embraces the policy, he embraces the consequences of the policy. In mm-hmm. that, if you think it's okay to go and fight a war on terror around the world with big bad government and their military... There are fences, and we need to have men with guns on those fences. Then you believe it's okay to shake people down right here in the good old USA. You believe that roving roadblocks are okay. You believe that a crackdown on travel is okay. You believe that whatever the next excuse... 
the next power-mongering excuse to destroy liberty is okay. Therefore, you can't be a libertarian. As Hornberger points out, let's also not forget another essential part of an imperialist, militarist, interventionist foreign policy. Out-of-control federal spending, which in turn brings rising inflation and taxation. How can those things be reconciled with libertarian economic principles? They can't. Finally, as U.S. officials often remind us, the war on terror is perpetual, especially because an interventionist foreign policy guarantees an infinite supply of terrorists. After all, since we've been uh, engaging in the war in Iraq, the terrorist incidents in the world has increased dramatically. There's significantly more terror now than there ever was before we set foot in Afghanistan and Iraq. That means libertarians who favor such foreign policy are, at the same time, surrendering any hope of ever achieving libertarianism. The only way to achieve the free society in our lifetime is through a consistent commitment to libertarian principle, not only in domestic affairs, but also in foreign affairs. Thus, libertarians who embrace the conservative view on foreign policy have one of the most important decisions of their lives confronting them. By hewing two contradictory philosophies, circumstances have now placed them in a moral and philosophical quandary. Will they continue hewing to a conservative foreign policy, thereby giving up all hope of a free society here at home? Or will they choose to maintain their commitment to libertarianism here in America, which means rejecting a conservative foreign policy? Or will they simply act as if no choice at all now confronts them? The stakes are, in, are obviously enormous. As Ludwig von Mises put it, quote, no one can find a safe way out for himself if society is sweeping towards destruction. Therefore, everyone, in his own interests, must thrust himself vigorously into the intellectual battle. No one can stand aside with unconcern. The interests of everyone hang on the result. That's why we're here doing this show, because somebody had to do it. Somebody had to step forward and say, enough is enough. This big government insanity has gone too far. That's why we've been so lucky and why Free Talk Live has grown so quickly is because there's a huge niche here. People are crying out to hear what it is, this, this libertarian principle. The Not American what we have people, to say. But you're we're, absolutely right. The American people have been looking and been searching for this message. It's just that no one has ever effectively brought it to them in any sort of understandable communicative manner in the past, in any sort of mass market... <laughs> you just stuttered when you said yes. communicative manner. <laughs> any sort of mass market media format. That's what we're doing. Let's go to the phones and talk to Rick in Missouri. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Rick. Rick in Missouri, going once. Do we have Rick in Missouri going once? Yes. Are you there? Hey, Rick, we got you. What's on your mind? No, oh, I was just uh, calling. I I've enjoyed your show for quite a while. I uh, caught it on the podcast, and it, it's it's been pretty interesting to uh, to check out. Uh, Excellent. So, what's on your mind? Well, I'm an anarcho-capitalist, and um, <laughs> I have a bit of an issue with this whole right to free speech. Uh, you guys talk about it now and again, and I I honestly have to say that we we do not have the right to free speech, as that weakens the 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 possibility of rights in general. Well, now, I, I agree with you to the extent that if you're on private property, you have to follow the rules of the owner of, of said private property. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to government, and I, I know you're an anarcho-capitalist, which means you are like me and you don't believe in government, but mm -hmm. um, the fact is right now we do have people masquerading as a government, and they... Uh, they allow this freedom of speech concept on public property. The the concept of freedom of speech is only for communally owned property, as I understand it. 
Okay. Or it, it would be private property, too. I can say what I want on my own property, and you can't do yeah. anything about it. So, I mean, freedom You of, have freedom of speech on your property, but if I right. set foot on your property, right. I do not, unless you grant me that permission, which could be revoked at any time, so therefore there is no right to free speech. Not on my... Not, exactly. Not on other people's property. But y- you would agree that on our own property, we should be able to say what we want, and um, nobody should be able to do anything about it. So that's free speech. A hundred percent. That's property rights, not a right to free speech. Well, but it is. Exactly. It's, it's, exactly. it's right to free speech on your own property, though. Yeah, that's no. That's just but rights yeah, to do with. That's uh, go ahead. Property rights. I mean, you only have the right to to free speech in as much as you have the right to rent a hall and address everybody who enters into it, as you guys do on the radio. You have the right to run the show and, you know, Rick, um, things of that nature. I understand but where you're coming from, Rick, but I would rather my Bill of Rights be a long and exhaustive rather than <laughs> you have the right to property. You understand? I understand where you're coming from. Yes, freedom of speech is included in property. Well, now, the only reason the Bill of Rights was created was to rein in the government. Right, that's true. It wasn't to outline all of the rights that people have in life. It was to outline all of the, the areas that government should stay the, he- stay the F out. Of, yeah. uh, of people's and it lives. hasn't done very well. And it was, yeah, and it, we need to simplify and go back to, if we go back to strictly property rights, then we'd be much better off. It's less complicated, and we won't run into the issues that we've been running into. I totally those. agree. I mean, the Bill of Rights was written in fairly clear English. It's not mm-hmm. exactly uh, hard to understand, but yet the government continues to interpret the Bill of Rights in ways that favor its power and uh, ways that will decimate uh, individual rights. Definitely. Rick, any other thoughts for us? Uh, Murray Rothbard on, on Mises has a great article about the right to freedom of speech. Very good. Thanks for the recommendation. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Is that Mises.org? I guess. The only thing I disagree with uh, Rick on is calling himself an anarcho-capitalist. And I think that... Uh, no, anarcho- I don't like the term. I don't like that term. I think that... Uh, it's accurate, though. It, okay, yeah, but if that's it's only accurate if you accurately understand the two very often misunderstood terms that are combined in the word anarcho-capitalist. People do not understand what anarchy really means. Anarchy is not chaos. Anarchy is a voluntary order. Uh, Anarchy is the lack of government control. And capitalism, people also misunderstand that. These are two words that are demonized and uh, bastardized by popular culture and the news media and various different uh, people. So people believe that capitalism is uh, these evil people with money taking advantage of others who don't have it, which isn't true at all. Capitalism is just a, an, econo- an economic system where people invest money and, and uh, use that to make more money, which they can use for whatever purposes they want. Enlightened self-interest. Right. So, uh, so again, the term anarcho-capitalist is a terrible term simply because it's been destroyed. And our anarchy and capitalist are two useless words. If you're labeling yourself as one of those two, even though you might be an anarchist, even though you might be a capitalist, you're inevitably painting yourself into a corner that people are just not going to understand. So I say change the terminology. I know, you're going to make fun of me, but free marketeer. (laughs) Go ahead, sing your little song. Okay. So predictable. You know what, the fact is, because it uh, brings back thoughts of Mouseketeer, it's probably more memorable than Anarcho-Capitalist is, because people will align it with their memories and they'll remember Free Marketeer. Anyway, Free Marketeer describes what I'm after, and that is the marketplace, freedom, not government. Hour two's on the way. Is 
semen good for you? We'll find out. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we're kicking off hour number two. You can take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. That's the packet8.net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. That's freetalklive.com. Now, Mark, we've got a very adult topic here. Pretty close. And I don't want to make it sound like we are pandering to the lowest common denominator, because we're not. This is a uh, scientific... It's from the newscientist.com article, and uh, so we're going to be very careful here, but it, it is going to involve sex talk. So if you're, chill, if you're one of those people that want to protect your kids from this sort of thing, you should tune out now. Well, I think we're going to use uh, as many cl- clinical terms as we can here. Absolutely. Very scientific discussion of what, exactly? Semen. Um, Seminal from- fluid? That's correct. Ejaculate. Look, I'm just reading it. Okay. Newscientist.com. Semen makes you happy. (laughs) That's the remarkable conclusion of a study comparing women whose partners wear condoms with those who don't. Huh. The study, which is bound to provoke controversy, showed that the women who were uh, directly exposed exposed to semen were less depressed. Exposed. Exposed. (laughs) You know, I I looked this up. This is really from the The newscientist.com. There was that one uh, Yahoo News one that was uh, BS that said that uh, imbibing uh, uh, male fluids would... uh, you know, reduce the chance of breast cancer or something. This isn't. Like this isn't uh, the imbibing of. This is no, uh, this the coming depositing. In uh, right. The coming in contact with. The sexual depositing, intercourse uh, style depositing of. Right. It. Okay. The researchers think that it's because mood-altering hormones in semen are absorbed through the vagina. They say they have ruled out other explanations. I want to make it clear that we are not advocating that people abstain from using condoms, said Gordon Gallup, the psychologist at the uh, State University of New York, who led the team. Clearly, an unwanted pregnancy or sexually transmitted disease would more often offset any advantageous psychological effects of semen. Right. I mean, if it's true that uh, if it's true that semen helps you uh, get over depression, having an unwanted pregnancy is just going to put you right back in. To, know, to depression, that is. That's right. Is that it? No, no, I, I'm just keeping from laughing too much. His team, What's funny about this? This is serious news. Yeah, I agree. His team divided 293 female students into groups depending on how often their partners wore condoms and assessed their happiness using the Beck Depression Inventory, a standard questionnaire for assessing mood. I'm curious about how many of the 293 women uh, have partners that don't use condoms very often at all. Or, or at all. They didn't give those numbers. Uh, 293. Okay. That's all they've given here. Uh, people who score over 17 are considered moderately depressed. So remember that 17 is over 17. 17 and over are uh, moderately depressed. Got it. So the higher the score, the more depressed. Correct. The team found that women whose partners never use condoms scored 8 on average. Nice. That's never. Those who sometimes use them, 10.5. Hmm. So just a little bit. Um, those who uh, usually use them scored 15. And those who always use them scored 11.3. So there's there's a little bit of a uh, up-down here. Yeah. Women huh. who weren't having sex at all scored 13.5. 
Wow. So apparently, according to these numbers, um, it's uh, it's better to not have sex at all than to usually use a condom. But mm. always using a condom, you'll be uh, happier. It sounds to me like this sense. is a study that should be duplicated. Has this been duplicated yet? It has not. This is uh, breaking news here. Okay. What's more, the longer the interval since um, they last had sex, the more depressed the women who never or sometimes used condoms got. But Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sex is healthy. I agree. It's a good thing to have. But the time since um, the last sexual encounter made no difference in the mood of women who usually or always use condoms. Hmm. The team also found that uh, depressive symptoms and suicide... It's because they're not even having sex. Like, if you've got a condom on, it's not even real sex. Okay. In my opinion. Well, that's, that's your I'm opinion. Not, no, I'm not advocating unsafe sex. I think you should be very safe. You should have your partner tested for sexually transmitted diseases. You should get yourself a vasectomy, and you don't have any worries anymore. Mm-hmm. Like me. Couldn't possibly catch a social disease from a cheating partner, though. The well, team, you shouldn't be with cheaters. There you go. The team also found that uh, depressive symptoms and suicide attempts were more common among women who used condoms regularly compared with those who didn't. The results will appear <laughs> in the Journal of Archives. Use a condom, section. you might kill yourself. That's, that, so it would appear. And Gallup told new scientists that his uh, team already has unpublished data from a larger group of 700 women confirming these findings. In this study, the always-use-condoms group were more depressed than the usually-use-condom group, suggesting the discrepancy in the smaller study was a sampling error, he says. Hmm. Alternative explanations, but this isn't um, the... Excuse me. <clears throat> but is... It, it really the semen that affects women's mood? The researchers say they looked at alternative explanations, such as whether women who seldom use condoms took oral contraceptives, um, how often they had sex, the okay. strength of relationships, and it's the possibility that. that they have a certain type of personality influenced the uh, decision to use condoms. Mm-hmm. But none of these factors can explain their findings, they say. Hmm. In fact, the results aren't a complete surprise because semen does contain several mood-altering hormones, including testosterone, um, Ostrogen? Is that estrogen? Estrogen? Spelled with an O in the I've never heard of that. Me either. Um, O is nowhere near E on the keyboard, so... (laughs) It is not. Uh, Follicle-stimulating hormone. Now, I wonder, is this... uh, Are all of these hormones and that sort of thing, are they in the uh, spermatozoa or the seminal fluid? Because when you use the term not a scientist, when you use the term semen, it's all of the above. I mean, right? They, There's a bunch bunch of stuff involved. Like for instance, with me, I have a vasectomy. I've had one for uh, ever since I was, I think, 22, 23. So I've had it for a number of years. I don't have any sperm uh, in my seminal fluid. So right. I, I wonder if I still have all the hormones and all that because there's there's I'm other sure things the in there. I would think I do. I, I, I would think. Anyway, there's uh, several hormones, which in explains there. a lot about why my girlfriend's so peppy. No, oh, sure. Some of these. Some of these have been detected in women's uh, blood within hours of exposure to semen. The question, um, question that many people will ask is whether oral sex could have the same mood-altering effects. Mm. Since the steroids and birth control pills survive the d- digestion process, I would assume that the same holds true for at least some of the chemicals in semen, says Gallup. I understand Possibly. It may I've, not be as efficient. I wouldn't think that exposing it to uh, stomach acid, assuming, well, I don't, never mind. Uh, I would understand that some, some gay males who have... Uh, Intercourse is not, uh, not not uncommon to attempt to retain the semen for extended periods of time, he adds, suggesting, of course, that there may be psychological effects, but further research will need to be confirmed whether exposure to semen through oral or other types of sex does not uh, affect mood in heterosexual or homosexual partners. So this study has only confirmed that when it comes to women Correct. receiving in their selected orifice uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the 
vagina, um, uh-huh. that uh, that will actually, it is likely that they will have happier lives, happier, more fulfilling lives. That, that, that's what it's suggesting. So, uh, but why would semen have such an effect? It makes no sense to me for this uh, phenomenon to, to have evolved, says uh, Shitashi Kan- Kanazawa, an evolutionary psychologist in the uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. But Gallup counters that men whose semen promotes long-term mood enhancement might have more chances to indulge in sexual activity. What do you, wait, what, when you say that, you, what do you mean? Like, it, since it feels so good, they'll do it more often? The, yes, women would do that. They're not as depressed, so therefore they're more likely to have more sex and therefore be less right. depressed. The, the woman uh, consciously or subconsciously says, I'd rather have sex with Mark. I always feel better than when I have sex with Ian. Right. Right. Well, I can tell you that uh, one of the deciding factors in my lady, uh, current lady, selecting me was that I don't have, uh, there, there's no risk of pregnancy with me. So she could have unprotected sex uh, with me. And not have any concerns. The vasectomy was a major selling point uh, when it come uh, when it came to me meeting my lady. And so I gotta say, I mean, if you are somebody out there who uh, doesn't really feel like you are going to at any point have an interest in having a biological child for yourself, maybe you're like me and you realize that there's plenty of adoptable children out there in the world. Uh, Mark, you were adopted I was. by your mother, and uh, thank goodness. And father. Yeah, and so I just feel like, um, you know, have yourself some safe sex and do it without a condom. It, it's possible, as long as you got a vasectomy. Then it's safe every time. You know, uh, I think it's it's limiting in some respects. Uh, obviously, you won't be able to have your own children. Um, That's the only limit. Right, and a lot of people feel very strongly about that. They do, and I think it's very silly of them. Well, you, you, you can think that. Yes, especially when there are millions, I believe, millions of children in the world that don't have parents and that could use some help. Why would you want to go through the process of creating another one? 800-259-9231 is the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. I don't know if there's any questions we can even ask about this study Ooh, without possibly pandering to the lowest common I don't, denominator. I, I don't think that there's any uh, uh, issue that here that we need to discuss. But nonetheless, a very interesting scientific development. It is that. And it makes sense. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. It is your show. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want with a toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a bulletin board system with over 190,000 posts, over 1,400 people interacting. It's a lot of fun. Serious issues. Fun stuff all being discussed, and it's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. So give your special child A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's a kidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. Quickly to the email box. Actually, even though this is a quick email, it's just so filled with misinformation, it might take a little while to, uh, to respond to. I like that. It's from Bradley. He says, I have recently been listening to your show, and I believe that your view on the war is wrong. Okay. Considering we started out the show by talking about uh, invasions and that sort of thing. I do believe that Bush has made mistakes in Iraq. 
And by the way, uh, Bradley just sort of randomly capitalizes and uncapitalizes letters. Like, for instance, he doesn't capitalize the I in the middle of his sentence, but yet he capitalizes the I before uh, the, the I in the word in before Iraq. So when you say random, it's not just throughout the words and stuff. He, he's sort of attempting to use Yeah, capitals. I do believe that Bush has made mistakes in Iraq, and so Bush has admitted himself. But I see the war as a war for the freedom of Iraq. Our troops are in Iraq freeing the people of Iraq. Now, well, I disagree with that because I don't think that you, I, I think I don't think you can set someone free. I think they have to want freedom enough themselves. They have to acquire it on their own. Right, I really do. I don't think you can do it. Otherwise, somebody else is just going to waltz right in and and set up shop. Plus, uh, m- maybe it's just me, but when I envision freedom in my mind, and it has to be envisioned in my mind because we're not living in freedom here in the United States, here in America. But when I envision freedom, it doesn't include roadblocks. It doesn't include barbed wire fences. And 600,000 deaths. No, it doesn't include explosions. It doesn't include uh, gunfights with uh, military soldiers. In fact, it doesn't include much of anything that's going on in Iraq. It makes me wonder if Bradley is actually just parroting the things he hears on Rush Limbaugh. It, it or sounds that way to on me. Fox News. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the, he said Bush has made mistakes, but then he admits that Bush has already said that he's made mistakes. So, he, says, he says, our troops are freeing the people of Iraq. Saddam was a murder. He was the Mao Zedong of, or Joseph Stalin of our time. He killed thousands of his own... I believe um, Chairman Mao killed millions didn't he kill were, a lot more he than probably a, had more people to kill yeah but, I'm, I'm not saying that i'm not saying that chairman mao or stalin are good guys i'm not saying that saddam was a good guy and wasn't like them i'm just saying it's none of our darn business that's that we create true. we created saddam and the i it just doesn't seem to me that i don't know it seems like such weird we armed logic. him we put him uh, in his position of power yeah we meaning the u.s government correct anyone he says he ruled his country with fear well, isn't that how the U.S. government rules the United States? It sure is. Um, Be scared of terrorism. Be scared, America. Well, what about speeding tickets? Why don't you speed? Why you're don't you go as of, fast as you want? Because you're, you're scared, scared of the man with the blue ticket. lights and the gun. Right. So ruling a country with fear is nothing new. Anyone who he says anyone who spoke against him, them along with their entire family would be killed. But if you didn't spoke, speak out against him, you'd be okay. I mean, Saddam Hussein, on the scale of dictators really wasn't the worst of the worst. And, he really know, wasn't. There, there's been polls. The Iraqi people, a lot of them, you know, a, a majority of them claim that they'd rather have Saddam back. Yeah, nine, I think it was at 90% of Iraqis are worse, uh, believe they're worse off today than they were when Saddam was in yeah. power. Thanks for freeing us. Yeah, don't think they consider... I don't think they feel like they're free. To me, the war is to free these people from the grip of Saddam's supporters. These are the insurgents that our troops are fighting now. Really? The insurgents are only Saddam supporters? I find that a little hard to believe. In fact, I think if you talk to some of the insurgents, you'd find out that there are a variety of different uh, individuals, people who are fighting the American troops for a variety of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Many of them probably are fighting because their home was blown to pieces, or their friends or family members were also blown to pieces, and they're a little angry about that. I think there's a good chance of that. And there may indeed be people who are former Saddam supporters in there, too. I think there's a a variety. Anyway, he says a minority of radical people are tearing up their own country. No, no. I'm pretty sure we tore it up first. Now they're just fighting. (laughs) 
But a large majority, and again, when I say we, I've got to beat myself up over this. It's not we. You and me, Mark, we're not involved. Uh, You listeners aren't over there doing this. This is the U.S. government doing this. He says, but a large majority of people in Iraq do, in fact, support and praise the United States for liberating them. Oh, really? Well, that doesn't exactly jibe with the 90% in a scientific survey that showed that uh, they are less better off today than they were before the invasion. And every other study that we've seen confirms those numbers. What was it, like 70% wanted to kill U.S. troops if they had the chance? Right. They, You know, it, it makes perfectly good sense to them. Um, you know, the, they want us to leave, and they believe using violence to get us to leave is acceptable. 70%, something like 70%. Uh, maybe he's uh, confused. Maybe somebody took a camera, maybe somebody in the U.S. military took a video camera around to different people in Iraq and interviewed them on tape and asked them if they felt they were better off. Because when a military man in fatigues is asking you questions, or you're going to say whatever, an, you, uh, whatever he wants you an to. An old poll. I mean, right after th- this occurred, I'm sure that that's what people said. But we've been there a long time, four years now. Let's go. It's time to leave. He says, in all, we're freeing an oppressed people that couldn't help themselves. And apparently you couldn't help yourself with uh, punctuation and, and uh, in spelling. Themselves. I will go as far as to say that if the U.S. needed more troops to help in this effort, that I myself would go and gladly die for well, those just, oppressed people. Just so you know, the U.S. does need help. Um, yep. Does need more troops, so you should sign up today. Yeah, talk is cheap, uh, Bradley, and you should, if you've been listening to this show or even been paying a, a sl- the slightest bit attention to what's been going on around the world, uh, you would know that the military's desperate. Desperate for new troops. In they fact, certainly are. They're lowering their standards. They're, uh, there was they're a story this week. That, they're taking people that are of uh, lower intelligence. They're taking ex-convicts. Right. They're taking all kinds of people. In fact, uh, speaking of the ex-convicts, according to the Associated of course, Press, out gay people. this week the Army and Marine Corps are letting in more recruits with criminal records, including some with felony convictions, reflecting the increased pressure of five years of war and its mounting casualties. According to data compiled by the Defense Department, the number of Army and Marine recruits has, uh, needing waivers for felonies and serious misdemeanors, including minor drug offenses, has grown since 2003. The Army granted more than double the number of waivers for felonies and misdemeanors in 2006 than it did in 2003. Some recruits may get more than one waiver. The military routinely grants waivers to admit recruits who have criminal records, medical problems, or low aptitude scores that would otherwise disqualify them from service. Overall, the majority are moral waivers, which include some felonies, misdemeanors, and traffic and drug offenses. The number of felony waivers granted by the you Army... Mean a waiver for traffic offenses? Grew from, apparently so, grew from 411 in 2003 to 901 in 2006. That's a lot. According to the Pentagon, or about 1 in 10 of the moral waivers approved that year. Other misdemeanors, which could be petty theft, writing a bad check, or some assaults, jumped from about 2,700 to more than 6,000 in 2006. So again... They'll take anybody. You got a pulse? You can sign up for the military. Catch a bullet. Yeah, have fun over there, Bradley. Personally, I don't believe a word he says. Because if that was true, he'd already be signed up. More on the way. It's your show. You take control. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This 
is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231 and bring up whatever's on your mind. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, Shrine of Female listeners included. Dozens and dozens of ladies from around the world have sent us their validated photo. And you could be on the Shrine as well, ladies, if you're listening to the show. Just uh, head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Who's the most pro-liberty individual in the United States Congress? Why, it's Ron Paul. Register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th, 2007, and meet presidential candidate Congressman Ron Paul and other influential people who support your freedom. Register at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum today. Now, since you bring that up, I know, Mark, you had told me that you had an email from Brian in Colorado about the Free State Project and, well, at least partially uh, about the Free State Project and how he feels uh, in regards to it and the future of liberty, and I thought it was pretty good. Why don't you share it with us? I agree. It's uh, In the case of a sudden decrease in cabin pressure, place your own os- oxygen mass over your face before helping others. My awakening to libertarian ideas came on a plane from Cincinnati to my home in Colorado in 1995. A few years earlier, earlier, a friend had told me that a poll taken by the Book of the Month Club in the Library of Congress named Atlas Shrugged, um, the second most influential book in Americans today, after the Christian Bible. I wasn't a reader of fiction. I spent most of my time building my business and thought I'd have anything, uh, I wouldn't, didn't have anything to learn from stories on paper. At that time, I was spending a lot of time reading business books and magazines on planes, traveling from client to client. One day... I was at a bookstore in the Cincinnati airport, and I was looking for something light to read when I thought about my friend. Out of curiosity, I went back to the fiction section and grabbed a very thick book with lots of small type. Atlas shrugged. I cracked it open on the plane and was immediately hooked. For the next three days, I was inaccessible to my family and friends and my employees. The thing that struck me about the book is that it talked to me in a way that modern culture has long since forgotten how. Now, I've actually never read it. I've heard it's excellent, though. I've read uh, part of it, but then um, it lost the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, I uh, I enjoyed what I read. I really enjoyed Fountainhead, but uh, that's okay. a little that's a little lighter and um, more fun to read, gotcha. from what I understand. Rand's characters were too perfect, of course, but that's not the point. I had always known that selfishness is the most natural and noble trait of man, but everyone from my mother to my minister to the worldwide press constantly talked about how we need to be giving and selfless. I knew that Which is this, a contradiction, by the way. I mean, it, it, it's selfish to give to others. That's what people just don't seem to understand. Nope. Everything that you do, you do in order to make yourself feel good. Right. Whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously, that's right. what you're, you're all about. Whether you're put, giving money to a poor person or shooting up heroin, those are, that's the only reason that people do things. They're selfish actions, and it's okay. In fact, it's good, as Brian's pointing out. It should be encouraged. People should be encouraged to be selfish because it benefits others. Right. I knew that this uh, conventional wisdom was ill-founded, but I had no foundation upon which to justify my own beliefs. I felt alone. Enter John Galt. Rand's impossibly perfect man is not a model for the real world, but certainly has some admirable traits that I could latch onto and see myself, see some in myself. Henry Reardon, the pragmatic capitalist, has more traits with which I can associate, but he eventually becomes attracted to the light of Galt. The single most powerful image of the book for me was Galt's Gulch. This 
is a remote valley where captains of industry have dropped out of increasingly socialist fascist world would pursue their natural talents. They are, to a man, selfish, arrogant, antisocial, and talented. But somehow they all work together to create a perfect utopia of free trade, free men, free minds, and free markets. What a revelation that was to me. I saw a perfect world where people working in their own self-interest increase the wealth of all people around them. Selfishness was the highest virtue. I had found a home. For the next ten years, I toiled in a world where communal service and paying your fair share was the norm. I told many people about the virtues of selfishness and tried to point out that we all win by recognizing that there is no such thing as altruism. Well, there is altruism, but it it's more it's deeper than people think. Altruism. Well, altruism is done. Altruism. You, altruism. Excuse me. Is done for the purpose of uh, you know making yourself feel better. You do good yes. things. For it's the purpose. under the umbrella of selfishness. It is. Same. It's the reason why, as a perfect example, the reason why Walmart tried to send trucks full of water and ice to the people in Katrina, the vic- uh, the victims of the government's uh, mismanagement of of the uh, the dams in Katrina. That was done for selfish reasons. It's a wonderful altruistic thing to do to mm-hmm. help other people get ice and water after a, a hurricane uh, like that. But it was done because Walmart wanted to promote its name. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. That's great. And they wanted people to look at them as good folks. Yes. And I do. And then I heard about the Free State Project. This is a group that's trying to collect 20,000 people who think that, the personal, that their personal freedom is the most important thing. The goal is to move them all to a single state in the U.S. where they will all work for local freedom and then, once they are free, to possibly think bigger. By being one of those many like-minded activists terrorizing the government for political change, my single voice will have much more power. This idea appealed to me immediately. After years of trying to convince people that they were not free and that they should, um, fight, for every, uh, and that they should fight for everyone's freedom, I had found a group that thought that freedom was best won small. If you are with your children in a life-threatening situation, you instinctively act to save them first. You jump into an alligator-infested swamp if they were in trouble. You think about yourself last. That is a natural reaction. Now, think of yourself with your children on a plane that has lost cabin pressure. Your natural instinct is to grab the life-saving oxygen and put the mask on your kids before you put it on your own. Well, this is um, not a good idea. By the time you get them fixed, you've suffocated, and who will help them now? That's why there's always an announcement at the beginning of the flight. In the case of sudden decrease in cabin pressure, place your own oxygen mask over your face before helping others. By putting your own mask on first, you are alive and able to help others who need your assistance. This is selfish, but is clearly the right thing to do. I can see a world where people have managed to fight for and win their personal freedom and will be an example to others who might want to be free, but see a number of barriers between themselves and their freedom. The men who fought the American Revolution committed to give up our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to have freedom. They sacrificed everything for liberty. It is time for a second American Revolution, and all, um, all I have to do is be part of it is to switch one warm house for another. Move my business, temporarily leave friends and family. Sounds like a fair trade to me. That's what I see in the Free State Project. I've lost the desire to save the world. It's just too many children to save. Instead, I've cho- chosen to save myself first. Then my family. After all, I see that I can um, that I can see what I can do to save the rest. You can't save the children if you're you can't save your children if you're dead. You can't work to make the world free if you're a slave. I agree completely. Uh, though I have to say I've pretty much given up on the United States. I've given up on America. 
Um, I think it's just important to save one place, and that's going to be New Hampshire. And if the rest of uh, if the rest of Americans want to wake up and uh, smell the coffee and jump on board with the Freedom Train and save their own selves in their own locations, then I I would welcome them aboard. But if they just want to enjoy their chains where they currently live, then I say, to hell with you. Yeah, and, I don't know whether it will spread and um, you know cover America. I hope it will. But that's not the reason I'm here. The reason I'm here is I want freedom for me, and I think that this is the only way to get it. I like his point about uh, the Second American Revolution. That's where we're at. Uh, the, the very beginnings, the genesis, if you will, of the Second American Revolution is happening right now. It's happening with the people who have picked up their lives, like uh, one of our listeners, Puke, who just arrived here in New Hampshire over the last, uh, the last weekend. Um, and th- people like him. I had coffee are, with him when he arrived. It was he's very nice. Yep. Um, and I met him on uh, that f- uh, couple days later. Mm-hmm. And, anyway, um, people like him who have uprooted themselves, who have uh, picked up and come to New Hampshire to be part of the Free State Project early. They're the early movers. They're the ones that have decided I'm not waiting until twenty thousand. I'm going now uh, because freedom is so important to me that I want to go as soon as possible. Now yeah, it's happening. It's going. It's going to happen, and it is happening now. You might as well get here now. I don't see any reason to wait for twenty thousand. Right. Don't wait for twenty thousand. I mean, now is different for certain people. If you got a lot of strings to tie up, yeah. you should tie them up appropriately and then come up here. But you should be thinking about how to tie those up right now. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number for you. We're going to talk about a lady who uh, is going to be introducing some gun legislation that, well, one of the reasons why you want to get to New Hampshire to be uh, have that gun freedom. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll free line. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by becoming, say, a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn what the AMP program is all about. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. In short, the idea is simple. We give you everything on the website for free, up front. So we're asking for a voluntary contribution from you, three bucks a month. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com, and you'll learn that what we're doing with the money is we're turning it around to promote Free Talk Live. So we take in the money, and we turn it around into advertising in industry publications like Talkers Magazine. Uh, the half-page ads makes us look big and important, and and that's good. People uh, are coming on board. Radio stations are coming on board because of these AMP dollars that are coming in. Also, advertising on the Internet, getting new Internet listeners uh, listening to the show as well, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible and as fast as possible. AMP is making it happen, and you can help us out. AMP, A-M-P, dot so we were talking about uh, Brian's email. He had emailed in about uh, the Free State Project, how he sort of, sort of his path to liberty. He discovered Atlas Shrugged and then eventually discovered the Free State Project and decided that that was a really good idea, getting people together all in the same place to make a stand for liberty, the second American revolution, as, as he puts it. And I, I like this quote. I want to read it again. He says, all I have to do to be a part of it is switch from one warm house for another, move my business, and temporarily leave friends and family. That's a lot better of a deal than dying. 
I mean, you don't have to die this time. Well, yeah, that's uh, comparing it the first American Revolution right. to the second. Right. You don't have to die. You don't necessarily have to lose all of your property. Um, you know, we haven't gotten to the point yet where there's out-and-out battles going on over liberty in this country. And hopefully it won't get to that point. And I believe we can head it off by having a bunch of people get together in the same place and make a stand for freedom. And that's what's happening right here in New Hampshire. It's part of the Free State Project. And I know that Brian is a, a business owner. I know he's going to be moving his business here. I know you had told me today, Mark, that uh, one of our, I guess, people, um, I, don't know, I don't think we can name who he is, but he's going to be bringing his business here. He's mm-hmm. a Free State Project member. And he's actually mentioned something about giving preference to Free Talk Live listeners and amplifiers as far as jobs. Is that Did I hear that correctly? That's correct. Right. So, like... We're, seriously, that's that's really cool to give people an extra incentive because a lot of people are worried about the job situation when they come up to New Hampshire. A lot of them are. And there's there's certainly jobs here. New Hampshire's Plenty. got one of the best economies uh, of the in the northeast of America. And so I wouldn't be too concerned about that. If you look around, you'll find one. But the idea that some free staters are coming here and actually creating jobs for other free staters to come and take, I think that's really cool. I agree. So, in uh, other news that isn't so cool, some blathering politicians' press release about the gun violence recently in Philadelphia and Salt Lake City. Thought I'd share this with you uh, to show you what we're up against here. Not here, necessarily. She's from New York, of course. Representative Carolyn McCarthy on the shootings in Pennsylvania and Utah. She says, Yesterday we learned of more unnecessary deaths from gun violence in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Salt Lake City. I'm saddened to hear of these events and have introduced legislation that, if enacted, will prevent further gun, uh, pr- further violence. Because legislation has stopped violence in Absolutely, the past. Absolutely, that's going to stop violence. In Philadelphia, a gunman opened fire on his colleagues using an AK-47 assault rifle he legally purchased. These dangerous weapons... By the way, all weapons are dangerous. Uh, that's just why they're on, called weapons. Right, depends on who's using them which are intended to hit multiple targets in a short period of time, were allowed back on our streets when the federal ban on assault weapons expired in 2004. First of all, Ms. McCarthy, just a little bit of uh, history for you. AK-47s were on the streets even with the assault weapons ban. Yeah, and and the other thing is, is AK-47s, if you want to, you know... This is an AK-47. This is how many people it's killed in the last 15 years mm-hmm. versus this is a Saturday Night Special 22 short. This is how many people it's killed in the last 15 years. You will find far, far more people killed with little crappy handguns. People in America. You mean. People in America. Filled with little, killed with little crappy handguns than with um, big, expensive automatic rifles. That's true. She says... The deaths in Philadelphia could have been prevented if Congress had done its job of protecting the homeland and renewed the assault weapons ban. See now, they would have de- had to have purchased it illegally. Well, what's amazing is even the Democrats are now taking on the mantra of protecting the homeland. This sort of mm. fascistic, Nazistic-sounding uh, the fatherland. Yeah, fatherland, the homeland. We're going to protect the homeland by banning assault weapons, which, of course, we're not going to ban them from the hands of the government agents. Oh, no, they'll still be able to access these guns. It's just that we're going to ban them from law-abiding citizens' mm-hmm. hands, which, of course, also the other side of the coin is it doesn't matter to criminals if there are bans in place. 
They don't give a flip. Nope. They're going to get their guns whether uh, there's a ban in place or not. The only thing that changes is with the ban in place, the guns are more expensive. They get guns in prison. How the heck are you going to keep them out of America? <laughs> so uh, the idea that this is even possible is absurd. Uh, anyway, she says, I have again introduced legislation to permanently ban assault weapons. These weapons have no practical use. They're not used by hunters for sport or by individuals for self-defense. Au d- contraire, madam. You can use them for self-defense. Yeah, especially if uh, you're being barraged by a multiple attackers. As a number of people were back in Los Angeles during the riots in the uh, the early 90s, the Korean Katrina? shop owners. Karina, uh, K- Katrina, another good example. When you're trying to defend your property from uh, mass looters, vandals, or uh, or corrupt cops, even you you've only got one option. Right. You know, it's that's not like these things are common, but they do happen in America. She says they're intended to kill as many individuals as possible in a short amount of time and have no place on our streets. The unfortunate situation in Philadelphia could have been avoided if Congress stood up to the gun lobby in 2004. Yeah, that's right, lady. It's all about what Congress does. Because Congress is so powerful. Congress and their laws are so special that all they have to do is just write words on a piece of paper and the gun violence, poof, it disappears. What a fantasy these people live in. Now, I don't know if she actually believes the just the crap she's spouting here, but the fact is some people believe it. Some people really believe that legislation makes a difference. And I'm sorry, the only difference it makes is it makes it more expensive for people to acquire these firearms. It makes it a little bit more difficult, but they'll get it. If somebody wants an AK-47, they'll get it. If they want it badly enough. In Salt Lake City, a young man opened fire in a crowded mall, killing more than ten individuals. It appears the shooter was not mentally stable, and police are still investigating how he obtained the weapons. It's vital that the background check records are current and comprehensive. And I have introduced H.R. blah 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 the NICS <laughs> Improvement Act, that would strengthen the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. These records let gun dealers know when an individual should not be allowed to purchase a firearm. Hey, you know what? The people that are relatively intelligent about getting around these laws don't go to gun dealers to buy their guns. They go to their friends. You they go to people who have guns that aren't checking backgrounds. Every newspaper I've ever looked at has a section for sales of firearms. Mm-hmm. You can buy a firearm from an individual, and it's not like this little system of hers matters. As it should be. Improving the quality of these records will keep guns out of the wrong hands and make our country safer. That's right, because guns belong in the hands of the government. Right, lady? That's the only people that she thinks should have guns. And I think that's a dangerous situation. The reason why the Second Amendment was written into the Bill of Rights was not because you have a right to bear arms, but because the government is a direct threat to your freedom. And, and the you government should is, bear arms against them. Is the most likely person to try to take your guns away from you, the most likely yep. entity. And to take your freedom away. Let me read the Second Amendment real quick, just in case anyone has any doubts that that's what the case is. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people... To keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. A well-regulated militia indicates that some government or another is going to try to take away your freedom. You know, the sad, uh, the sad part about the story in Salt Lake City with the, the killer in the mall, the guns, mm-hmm. I, we haven't really talked about it on this show yet, but the sad part is it was a cop that brought the guy down. 
and an off-duty cop. Yeah. It would have been a better story had it been in, or just a regular guy who happened to be packing heat uh, who brought the guy down. That would have made uh, made for a better story. Of course, then they would have brought him up on charges, and cops are virtually immune from charges. That's so true. Maybe it is better it happened this way. But uh, nonetheless, if more people were armed, if more people had firearms in that mall that particular day, mm-hmm. I don't think that guy would have gotten um, the victims that he got. No. That's he wouldn't have made it as far as he did. I'm sorry. It's the our, our armed citizenry that keeps us safe and free. And now this woman and her colleagues in Congress want to put a stop to it. And uh, you know what? You can ban all the guns you want, lady. You ain't getting mine. 800-259-9231. That's the toll-free number. The packet 8.net toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Hour number 3 is on the way. And as always, anything goes. Coming up. Space race. The race to the moon again? Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there, completely free. That again, freetalklive.com. Let's go right into the phone calls here. Talk about NASA here in moments. But first to Osborne in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Osborne. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, last night you guys were talking about Valentine's Day, yes. and I believe you made reference to a post I made on your bulletin board about buying chicks jewelry. I don't know if it was you, but there was a, a couple different people that had uh, supported the idea of buying jewelry for people. I think it was one of our female listeners that actually posted the suggestion that if you buy your girlfriend a practical gift, uh, that means you love her less than if you buy her jewelry. That was the suggestion that was made. I don't think it was you, but what what, what was it okay. you had to say? I definitely disagree with that uh, suggestion. But uh, uh, my point was that, uh, indeed, when you are in a casual dating relationship, if you have a woman who uh, expects you to buy her things, then you essentially have a prostitute on your hands, and you either need to settle on a price for her services or get rid of her. I agree. But, uh, however, there comes a point in a relationship, if it does not end, that you have to uh, – become serious, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, you may uh, decide to share a dwelling or yes. have kids together, at which point you have to deal with the reality of shared resources, particularly if uh, one party is the sole or major uh, earner. Yeah, I can see yes. if you're bringing kids into the picture that uh, resources would be would get difficult. I mean, at yep. this point in my life, I'm sharing a dwelling, but there's an agreement uh, that that goes on where resources are are essentially not really being shared. Individuals are still individuals in my particular case, but I can see how having a kid would completely throw all that sure. out of its ear. Well, even if you're just sharing a dwelling, you have to decide who's going to pay the rent, who's going to pay the electric bill, right. who's going to take out the trash, who's going to wash the dishes, and so forth. Sure. And uh, I just do what I'm told. <laughs> uh, me too, for the most part, but. Uh, <laughs> At, at any rate, uh, it's important when you have a serious relationship that you get these uh, issues of uh, allocation of resources out in the open. Sure, I agree. And, uh, and recognizing the fact that different parties are going to have uh, different preferences over uh, goods and activities that they might want to do. So if you're a man, you might not understand why your partner uh, likes jewelry, and she might not understand why you like uh, motorcycles or sports cars. 
Hmm. But you have That's because she's foolish. Yes, exactly. But at any rate, you have to allow her her foolishness and uh, allow her to use some of your shared resources to purchase those foolish items. Ah, but I don't have to allow that because my no. girlfriend doesn't like jewelry. So there. Sure. Well, you don't. That's fine. You know, why would they want jewelry when they could have like a, a DeLorean? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I mean, you could have those, you could get out the bowling doors and stuff. A couple pounds of coke are, are in the back. in the 80s, Mark? I don't know. I don't know how you fix a DeLorean. I don't know where you get the parts to believe fix it or not. Things. Believe it or not, the DeLorean company is uh, still in existence and there are uh, third party aftermarket parts there's like a huge delorean fanatic base out there i know i see i look at them on ebay at least once a week i like them but i don't i don't know you're suggesting that we need to use shared resources to buy jewelry and motorcycles and crap like that i I don't have to i think that the uh that relationships are better the less shared resources you have the more you can keep yourself an individual the more you can keep your finances separate uh the better off you're going to be then if you want to go buy some jewelry do it with your own money that, that I, I can agree with that, but there's also a uh, division of labor that comes with any partnership. And uh, one of the ma- uh, main points of having a relationship is that there are certain things that they can do better than you can. Yes. And, uh, for example, in my situation, my wife takes all of my money and uh, mm-hmm. takes care of the bank accounts and the investments and the house and the kid and you know all those other things. Right. What do you in do? In exchange, uh, what do I do? Um, I'm given an allowance. And uh, with that allowance, I take half of it, and I buy things for myself, and I take the other half and buy things for her. I see. And that's what we're. I don't have any us. problem. With I have that. no problem. If that's what your agreement is, then that's fine. I it's mean, it's remarkably close to mine. If that's what you've gotten into, and you know that's what you've gotten into, then I think that's fine. What I have an objection to is, as you started out your call, these women that are just demanding things from men, and and I'm sure there are men that demand things from women in the turnaround, but. Uh, just these these gold digging women that really just they're despicable people in my opinion. Sure, I I concur. But if you've got a if you've got a preset agreement that works out how your relationship is supposed to work in that you uh, you give all your money to your wife and she doles it back out to you and she expects you to buy things uh, for her with it, then that's something you've uh, you've consented to. In which case, I think that's fine. Sure. But people and, getting uh, into my, relationships, uh, people getting into relationships and feeling obligated right off the bat to start buying things for one another, I think that's that's bad. If you've set out those rules, if you've set those rules, then that's that's fine. Sure. And my advice to any of your young listeners is, whatever you want your arrangement to be, make it ahead of time yes. before you get serious, and figure out what those rules are and don't back down from them. Those should be the things that uh, <laughs> people talk about. When they are meeting and dating one another in the in the very beginning of their uh, relationship, I mean, before things even get close to being serious, these are the issues. You shouldn't be talking about what your favorite colors are. You should be talking about the issues of being together and preferences and that sort of thing. You know, I'm Osborne. I'm thinking about your situation. I I don't know specifically with you or anything, but I'm I'm thinking about uh, guys that might have a setup like you and I do, where uh, you know the money's earned and then we get an allowance back. And what, what about uh, it. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about it is, you know, when it comes to amplifying, uh, it's a lot more guys amplifying out there than it is women. So That's I think true. guys should keep control of their money. But you're not doing that. Well, I'm not doing what? You're not keeping control of your money. You're no, handing I'm, it all over to your wife. No, it's a hell of a lot easier no. what I do. Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm not keeping control of it. I'm uh, allowing her to be the uh, laborer who takes care of it. Delegating. I see. Yes. Now, because does she, does I don't, don't want to have to look at the bank accounts. I don't, no, she's retired. 
do you just not like dealing with money? Is it make does it make you feel icky or uh, I mean why? Uh, uh, I lo- I love money. I don't like paying bills. I don't like having to keep track of the bank accounts. I and, see. You know, not only do I not like it, I'm just bad at it. Right. I, I, sure. A bill's gonna go unpaid if I'm in charge of it. Well, the person yep. who's the, I, I think you guys have a good situation. If uh, if you're gonna get the the power turned off or the the cable modem turned off because you're just <laughs> so shoddy at paying bills, then yeah, put it in the hands of someone who can handle it, like a woman. Thanks for the call, sure. Osborne. We appreciate sure. hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You know, some guys are great at handling, and some women are terrible at it. So yeah. that it's not a woman. Well, in your case. In my case, it is. Any woman would it be is better than my you. wife. 1-800-259-9231, the toll-free number. It doesn't matter to me if you want to talk about relationships or uh, NASA, which we're going to be discussing here in moments. But actually, before we talk about NASA, you have a space-related sh- uh, story that doesn't have anything to do with them. Nope. It's kind of sad, though. From the uh, Star-Telegram, taxes ground one man's chance to fly into outer space. Los mm-hmm. Angeles' Brian Emmett's childhood fantasy came true when he won a free trip into outer space. He was crushed Wow! when he had to cancel his reservation. What? Why? Yeah. Emmett won his ticket on the, um, to the heavens in 2005 sweepstakes by Oracle Corporation, in which he answered a series of online questions on Java computer code. He became an instant celebrity, giving media interviews and appearing on stage at Oracle's trade show. Uh-oh. For the self-described space buff who has attended space camp and watched shuttle launches from Kennedy Space Center, it seemed like a chance to become an astronaut on a dime. That's really cool. I think I think it's a cool that he won the prize. I I think I see where this is going in that he got a bunch of attention, and the more attention is paid to people, the more likely bureaucrats are going to notice what happened. Then reality struck. After some number crunching, Emmett no, realized bureaucrats struck. He would have to report the $138,000 galactic joyride as income and owe $25,000 in taxes. Holy crap. Unwilling to sink into debt, the 31-year-old software consultant gave up his seat. There was definitely a period of mourning. I was totally crestfallen, Emmett said. Everything you had hoped for as a kid sort of evaporates in front of you. Thanks to the IRS. With commercial spaceships still under development, it's uncertain when the infant uh, space tourism industry will actually get off the ground. Still, ultra-rich thrill-seekers already plunked down through refundable deposits to experience a few minutes of weightlessness 60 miles above the Earth. In recent years, space tourism companies have teamed with major corporations to stage contests with future suborbital space flights, as such as the grand prize. Now, in in this case, it looks like he uh, he won the prize, but he hasn't gotten anything until he's gone to space. Correct. So why would he have to report it as income until he's gone to space? I don't know. I guess he doesn't want to report it as income even after the fact. I mean, because after the fact, then he has to report it, and then he's going to owe $25,000 for a space trip. I, I suppose. And I don't blame him for saying uh, no to that. And I think it's sad that the IRS taxes uh, these prizes in these sweepstakes. These I, I'd let him find out about it. So. More on the way. This is your show. You take control of the airwaves. On the way, NASA wants to go back to the moon. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. And it is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free, including archives and entire years' worth of the show awaiting you right there on the front page of the website. You just click and download. There's no membership fee. There's no hoops to jump through, advertisements to look at, or anything like that. Just go and download them for free at freetalklive.com. 
dot com and get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum February 23rd through the 25th of 2007 meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel Michael Badnarik Ron Paul and many more the most influential libertarians in America will be there freestateproject.org slash liberty forum for more information and to get registered that's freestateproject.org slash liberty forum there is a sense of urgency about this considering it's next week so please get registered as soon as possible because the uh, the rooms in the hotel are either darn close to selling out or have either are already sold out. You might have to go to a different hotel. Again, that's freestateproject.org/libertyforum for the latest information and to get registered. We're going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. 1-800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. We just finished up a story, Mark, about the IRS taxing a man twenty-five thousand dollars. Because he was going to win a space flight, and I guess somebody estimated the cost of the flight at a hundred and something thousand dollars. So the IRS taking a good uh, fifth of the uh, the total there, and this guy essentially said, you know, uh, I'll pass on this prize. I've always wanted to go to space my entire life. I he's been to space camp. He's, he's a real space buff. Right. I thought that uh, I had actually won something here that I didn't have to pay for. I think it, I think that when people enter sweepstakes, I don't think they understand or realize that the IRS rules those sweepstakes. I don't think they understand that they're going to be charged. If you win a car, you've got to pay a tax on that. Mm-hmm. If you win uh, a million dollars, you have to pay a good chunk of that to the IRS. They're going to come after you. And that's what they did in this guy's case, and they ruined his chances. They dashed his dreams on the rocks of their silly little bureaucracy. And it's just a true tragedy. And I feel terrible for him. Yeah. And it's all because we have government around. I blame them. 1-800-259-9231. Well, since we're talking about space, let's talk NASA and how useless they are. It's story after story here on Free Talk Live of how useless and inefficient and stupid government bureaucracies are. You know, they try something and they uh, usually spend way too much money. Yes, it is possible for government to achieve certain things, like they can build roads if they throw enough money at it. Sure. And they can get little rockets into space if they throw enough money at them. But They're just going to do it a lot more inefficiently than the free market would. Right. As we've seen... Um, these private organizations, Spaceship One, uh, Bert Rutan, uh, various different private entities are now jumping into the space game because finally it's been deregulated to the point where they can. You've, we've seen that uh, space travel doesn't have to cost what it's been costing with NASA. In fact, it can cost a fraction of a fraction of what NASA spends. It can cost less than what NASA spends on the fuel to get the, space shut, uh, the spaceship into orbit. I mean, NASA is so inefficient and bad... And this is a brilliant example, this article from Bill Walker at LouRockwell.com, brilliant example of how stupid they truly are. Bert Rutan, the builder of Spaceship One, calls NASA, the NASA plan to return to the moon, an archaeological dig. And he isn't kidding. The Bush administration has announced some details of its massive crash program to, quote, put a a man on the moon by 2020, or only about twice as long as it took back in 1961, (laughs) when no one knew anything about spaceflight, personal computers, etc. The plan for the launch vehicle is to use copies of the original 1960s moon rocket engines from the upper stages of Saturn V, except for the first stage, which will use far less efficient and far more expensive solid fuels. Hmm. No, they aren't kidding. They're really going to use 1960s technology to send someone to the moon. And... They're going to take twice as long to do it. 
The crew capsule will be named Orion in mocking reference to the far more ambitious 1960s nuclear pulse rocket program. It will travel to the moon using copies of the Centaur engine, the very first hydrogen-oxygen engine ever built in the early 1960s. <laughs> this is the equivalent of using copies of the Nina and the Pinta to replace steamships. But, as NASA says, it's certainly mature technology. Except that the mature technology will be assembled six decades after it was designed. The Nazi engineers who conceived the Saturn V have died long ago of old age. So the intrepid explorers, intrepid explorers in 2020 will be using antique chemical rocket engines, but in completely new and untested vehicles. Steamship engineers aren't necessarily very good at building caravels. The long-term goal is to put four astronauts on the moon for six months in 2024. Wow. There should be no problem resupplying them, as by 2024 there will be a numerous good Chinese restaurants on the, new, on the lunar surface. <laughs> NASA has been steadily hurtling backward in technological time ever since 1972 when the last man left the moon. The Saturn V, which carried the Harrison Schmidt, could launch 250,000 pounds into orbit. The shuttle weighed almost as much, but could only carry a theoretical maximum of 65,000 pounds. And, of course, the shuttle cost much more per delivered weight. A recent Popular Mechanics article pegged the shuttle cost at about $115 billion for 115 launches. Roughly $20,000 per pound. Wow. The 1970s designed Russian rockets that support the U.S. financed space station carry direct TV satellites to orbit cost, over a, uh, cost a bit over a tenth as much. Several private companies offer launches at comparable prices per pound, even while being undercut in the market by NASA subsidized launchers. Getting to orbit simply isn't rocket science anymore. The energy required to put a pound into orbit is about four kilowatt hours. Even in California, you can buy that much energy for a buck. If there were secure property rights in space, then it would be worth it for private companies to invest in non-rocket technologies. Jet bottom stages, electromagnetic catapults, gas guns, cables hanging down from orbiting asteroids. There are literally hundreds of engineering designs floating around. The same was true in the early period of air travel. The difference is that government didn't monopolize air travel or make it illegal to build new technologies, which is what they've done with space. I'm not suggesting NASA should or could be run more efficiently. The 20th century showed definitively that a government agency can't even grow rice effectively or efficiently, let alone build new worlds and new civilizations. That's the NASA tagline. But we should be concerned that they aren't even pretending to try. It means they think Americans won't look up from their televisions no matter what nonsense their rulers impose on them. <laughs> if NASA were to announce that they were going to use 1960s Nerva nuclear rockets, build a moon base, go to Mars, etc., that would be plausible. Unless irrelevant to real space industrialization and colonization, but bureaucratically plausible. If they were to announce that they were going to build rockets to travel to the close approach asteroids and then move them to Earth orbit, that would be plausible. But try to stop thinking about Anna Nicole for a couple of seconds and focus here. They aren't doing any of this, and they never will. The announced official space policy of the United States is that it will spend hundreds of billions of dollars to reenact the 1960s moon landing, but at half of the speed of the original program. This is happening under your nose. This NASA, this organization that everybody holds up as the pinnacle of government greatness, as the pinnacle of what government can accomplish. These people are useless. You know, the space program something, it's fun to think about, but man, the government can't do that right either. We're going back to the moon 
with 1960s technology at billions of dollars cost? For what? What's the reason behind this? Pick up golf balls? <laughs> More on the way. Your show. You take control of the airwaves. You think NASA should stick around or should we abolish it entirely? It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free at 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. That's one 800 Two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet eight dot net toll free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site completely free. That does include the wiki. It's like the listener editable version of our website with over a thousand pages created by listeners like you. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. W i k i dot freetalklive.com. Is there a young person that's important to you? Give them financial literacy. A kid's journey to getting rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them a kid's journey to getting rich at akidsjourney.com. That's akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's 800-657-5066. Our number is 800-259-9231. We're going straight to the phones to the fun, the amplifier line, and Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Matt. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Good evening, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, you were talking about NASA, and there's a story from back in the 60s. I don't know if anybody's aware of, but um, they had a problem when going into space with writing. So the American government went and spent oh, approximately a million dollars in the 60s dollars on, on uh, developing a pen that could write upside down and sideways and yeah. any which way out in space. The Russians used a pencil. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's right. I have heard that story. I realized it after you started telling it. That's uh, it's just a perfect example of the bureaucratic waste that uh, that goes on in NASA. And, and it's actually my suggestion that the only reason why the U.S. government ever made it to the moon in the first place was because there was a space race. There was a uh, competition going on between the, Rus- the Russians and the Americans. If, if, there, if it weren't for that competition, I don't think it ever would have happened. What do you think, Matt? Oh, no. There, there would have been no reason to go to the moon. Right. They didn't um, want to get one up. They didn't want to get beaten by the Russians, made look bad uh, by the communists. And so that's and they already why. already had by the satellite. The, the Sputnik was, was launched first, the Russians, and everybody freaked out. It's true. Oh, they're getting so far ahead of us. Yep. Very good. Matt, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800 259 That's the only reason it happened. And now, now as uh, Bill Walker at LewRockwell.com points out, they're going to do it all over again, except spend a lot more. Because it's going to cost more this time to get to the moon. And they're going to do it in uh, twice the amount of time. So it's going to take them twice as long. It's going to cost them a lot more. And what are they going to get out of it? Nothing. Not a damn thing. Going to get some more moon rocks? We already know about the moon rocks. They've been analyzed. We know what's on the moon. We've got plenty of pictures of the moon. We know what's there. China wants to go go to the moon. Uh, Not back. 
they want to go to the moon and, and mine the moon rocks. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's nice. Good for them. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, just a final thoughts from Bill Walker. He points out that the official space policy of the United States is now that it will spend hundreds of billions of dollars, your dollars, by the way, and they're spending your dollars and you're not getting a return. There's nothing coming out of this. This is not a service. It's not a product that anybody can enjoy. It's just keeping space scientists working. I like stuff. the I like the Onion article that essentially suggested that <laughs> NASA was going to jettison billions of dollars into space. Just shoot it out there. Because <laughs> that's ex- essentially what they're doing. And from time to time, they kill some astronauts. He says, this will be, uh, it'll be done at half the speed of the original moon landing program. This will be like the State Department announcing they were going to reenact the Crusades, but use modern Cold War military equipment and spend trillions of... Oh, yeah, they're doing that, too. The U.S. government has abandoned any pretense of planning to live in a plausible future. The only firm guide to U.S. policy is that nothing is permitted that has not been done before. This isn't an unusual policy for senile emperors of decaying empires. Let's just hope that no asteroids land on us before some other freer nation starts real capitalist migration into space. 1-800-259-9231. Apparently the uh, space pen story yeah. uh, from Snopes.com the is myth? false. Really? Yeah. NASA never asked Paul C. Fisher to produce a pen. When the astronauts began to fly, like Russians, they used pencils. But the mm. leads broke sometimes and became a hazard uh, by floating in the uh, capsule's atmosphere where there's no gra- gravity. They could float into an eye or a nose or cause a short electrical device. In addition, both the lead and the wood of the pencil could burn rapidly in the pure oxygen atmosphere. Mm. Paul C. Fisher realized the astronauts needed a safer, more dependable writing instrument. So, in July 1965, he developed a pressurized ball pen. With its ink enclosed in a sealed pressurized ink cartridge, Fisher went um, sent the uh, first samples to Dr. Uh, Robert Golruth, uh, director of the Houston Space Center. The pens were all metal except for the ink, which had a flash point above 200 degrees Celsius. The sample space pens were thoroughly tested by NASA. They passed all the tests and have been used ever since in all manned space flights, American and Russian. Hmm. All research and development costs were paid by Paul Fisher. No development costs ever have been charged to the government. Damn it, it was a good story. You ruined it for me. I know. It, it really does. It does point out how things are with yeah. the government, but unfortunately the, the story itself is false, and uh, we're not, you know, we just don't do that here. What made you think to go and look that up? Um, I actually, I, I have my Somebody angels you out in. there. I have angels. Somebody's see, working for you. I, I have lots of them out there. I see. All right. Would you like to know who it was? No, it's all right. Okay. 1-800-259-9231, the toll-free number, whether you want to talk about NASA or terrorism. As we go to HomelandStupidity.us and Michael Hampton reporting, the city of Texarkana, Texas, has found the terrorists in the has found the terrorists, and with money from the Department of Homeland Security, it's going to round them all up, or perhaps not. The city is getting forty-three thousand dollars plus reimbursement for mileage and vehicle wear and tear from the state, which it got from the feds, which it got from you, to pay for police to work overtime on the Interstate 30 in U.S. Highway 59 corridors looking for terrorists. This is called a Border Security Enhancement Operations Project. Texarkana is a 650-mile drive from the nearest border crossing. Oh, and while they have a sharp eye out for Osama bin Laden, they'll just be happening to look for drug smugglers as well. Oh, I'm sure. 
from uh, Gretz for Breakfast. I'm no fan of these highway interdiction units. They're too income-focused and waste police resources conducting countless unnecessary consent searches, mostly of innocent people that serve little public safety purpose. The results are essentially random, and the vast majority of searches at drug interdiction stops don't come up with any contraband. They just waste people's time. At some task forces, more than 99% of all traffic stops made by drug interdiction units did not result in traffic tickets. Drivers were let off with warnings for whatever pretext the officer used for the stop. But at those stops, our research found that the focus on drug interdiction caused officers to conduct many more so-called consent searches than do regular police on traffic duty. Michael says, just exactly how many terrorists are in the country and commuting back and forth on uh, Interstate 30 and U.S. 59 anyway? Gotta wonder. 600-something miles from the border. Exactly, it's all about the drugs. The operation is part of a larger statewide enforcement operation known as Operation Wrangler, which Governor Rick Perry announced on Monday. In the main thrust of this operation to run through August 31st, 604 Texas Army National Guard troops will go down to the U.S.-Mexican border to look for terrorists. (laughs) Oh, and drug smugglers, too. From the Houston Chronicle, the new soldiers are in addition to more than 1,700 Texas Army National Guard troops that Governor Perry activated last summer for the Operation Jumpstart to support U.S. Border Patrol activities. A Border Patrol agent and local police officer will accompany each of the 12 new platoons. Perry's announcement said Operation Wrangler's various agencies will involve more than 6,800 personnel, 2,200 vehicles, 48 helicopters, 33 fixed-wing aircraft, 35 patrol ships, and a partridge in a pear tree, according to Perry's office. Customs and Border Protection officials said marijuana seizures in fiscal 2007 were up 25% from last year, with 470,000 pounds seized they've seized almost a half a million pounds of pot in one year's time mark but they haven't stopped the drug trade can you imagine this is a shocker isn't it 1-800-259-9231 as uh, hampton points out so much for homeland security it's all about preventing people from getting their hands on a harmless plant Mm -hmm. your calls 800-259-9231 you bring up anything this is your show it is free talk live this is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Even in these remaining moments, just enough time for your call, if you make it now. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. You like the show, you like the fact that we give away all the features on the site for free, then maybe you want to voluntarily support us. In fact, you can do that in two simple ways. You can shop for Free Talk Live swag, like hats and t-shirts and bumper stickers, uh, which are free, by the way. Uh, as well as the uh, Free Marketeer flag, Free Talk Live classic archive DVD collector sets, all at store.freetalklive.com. That's store.freetalklive.com. And for everything else you need in life, head over to amazon.freetalklive.com. Uh, hundreds of items were sold in the month of, uh, the month of January through amazon.freetalklive.com. Oh, you guys bought over 340 items and only returned five, <laughs> which I thought it was awesome. And so that's a great way to get the stuff you need delivered to your door from 35 categories of products, everything from their brand new grocery store to the classic collection of books that they have there and everything in between. Amazon.freetalklive.com, a percentage of your sale, will go to benefit Free Talk Live. Does your company have a bunch of unpaid receivables just sitting out there? Try SACL CAI. They do collections. They do it in a whole new way. As a matter of fact, they use the most cutting-edge technology available today. 
they also uh, know that you're that the way they treat your customers reflects on you. They record every customer interaction so you can check their work. Let SACL CAI handle any or all of your accounts receivable needs. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. Let's go to the phones to the fun. Talk to Glenn in Missouri. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mark. Hey, what's uh, on your mind? I'm calling about uh, that drug uh, introduction. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't anything new. Uh, uh, back over 10 years ago, I was driving from Houston back up to Missouri on US 59, mm-hmm. I got pulled over not once, but twice in the same evening. Jeez. And yeah. uh, both times uh, they had some excuse like, oh, you were weaving slightly or mm. something like that. But, you know, they were drug stops. When you get pulled over by two cars, it's a drug stop. Well, hmm. did they search your vehicle, ask to search your vehicle, ask you to step uh, out, anything? Yeah, the way they worked it was they, an officer would walk up and he would give a quick excuse for why they pulled you over, mm-hmm. and then it would be 20 questions. Where you been? Where are you going? What's in the car? Right. Et cetera, Who's et your cetera. grandma? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And uh, neither time did they did they search my car, but uh, I talked to a lot of other people that traveled uh, in the type of work I did who had had that problem where they had got pulled over and searched. I'm surprised they didn't even ask you. Did They didn't even ask to search? No, no, huh. but I imagine I imagine it was night, so I couldn't tell. But I imagine they must have had a drug dog or something going around to come back the car or something. That could be, but I don't know. I mean, if they brought a drug dog out, they can they can use those dogs to essentially false alert on your vehicle and then use that as an ex- an excuse to search you. It might have just been that you looked a little bit respectable or something, and they decided they didn't want to harass you. Yeah, or, or I don't know, you, but uh, or did you look like a dirty anyway, hippie? It was for me, anyway, it was the last straw, and, and uh, from that point on, I said, you know, the libertarians are right. Really? That 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 was that was the last that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And this was ten years right. ago. Yeah. So you had already come across the libertarian message in the uh, the mid 1990s. How did you do that? Uh, from from someone I knew, uh, I am a computer programmer, and somebody I I knew uh, into computers was mm-hmm. a libertarian, and. Uh, Gave me the uh, world's smallest political quiz back around '92. Excellent. And so you, uh, at what point you, you said to yourself, "Okay, this is it. I've had enough of this police harassment. I'm I'm joining up with the libertarians." Was it the the way that the police treated you that uh, led you to that decision? No, they were they were courteous, but you know when you get pulled over twice in one night, that's just too much. It, it's I some see. sort of harassment. Yeah. Do you, was it? It wasn't the same cop that pulled you over. The, both times. No, no, it was, you know, it was a couple hours later, the second pullover, you know, so obviously they weren't talking to each other. Huh. Interesting. Well, very good. Any other stories for us? Uh, no, not related to that, uh, other than uh, a quick point that uh, I'll be in uh, New Hampshire for the Liberty Forum here next week. I'm awesome. really looking forward to it. You and a lot of other people. I think well, look us be... up, would you? Yeah, well, we're going to be there on the the, uh, the floor. Well, I mean, they're going to look us up. It's not going to be hard to find us. Come say hi. Yeah, we'll see you then. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Though um, one of our listeners asked if we were going to be selling stuff at the forum, and uh, unfortunately, no. Yeah, you would have had to have planned ahead a little farther for that. We well, I don't have the product. Johnson is our fulfillment guy. He's mm-hmm. He runs the store, and he's got the product down in Connecticut. And 
we just uh, I want to enjoy the convention. Mm. Like I don't want to man a sales table the entire time. Yeah. So I'm going to be going and doing convention things and attending the uh, the different seminars and forums and that sort of thing. And then we'll be at the Free Talk Live table. I'm sure we'll stop in periodically. I think Eric Scott, our friend here in Keene, the Libertarian on the Air here locally, he might be using our equipment to do his show. Mm-hmm. So there might be somebody at the table from time to time. But I certainly don't plan on manning it. I want to have a good time. Yep. Well, if you want me to sell you something, I'll, I'll find something out. We, we will have bumper stickers. We will have bumper stickers. 800-259-9231. Let's go to David in Delaware. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, David. David, going once. David in Delaware, going uh, twice. I'm here. He's here. Hey, David, what's on your mind? No problem. What do you guys think about religious marijuana? What do you mean? Well, I think that if there's a plant in the world that uh, could claim um, to be holy, that it would be marijuana. <laughs> um, you know, it creates a you know sort of psychedelic spiritual effect, and there are cannabinoid receptors in the brain. One could make the argument that God, in fact, um, created your brain to receive smoked marijuana. You could make that argument. Yes. What about yeah. you? What do you think? It seems like religious freedom to be able to have a uh, spiritual experience. It seems like freedom, freedom, to be able to smoke pot, put smoke in your lungs, any sort of smoke uh, of your choice. But yes, I certainly support the religious argument. And did you hear about the uh, ruling with that church that had the uh, DMT tea? Oh, I think we did report on that. Can you you refresh my memory? The DMT, which is a uh, some sort of a tripodelic, psychedelic sort of tea uh, that the these church members were using. Yeah, the thing was di- diethyltryptamine, and they ruled on it a year ago. So it's a Schedule One substance, and they said that they, the Supreme Court ruled they can use it for religious purposes. Hmm. And now there's this church in California that's trying to get the same ruling for marijuana. I bet they're going to be a little bit less likely to allow the marijuana. They're probably going to because a lot more people would probably want to join that church. Yeah, no doubt about it. And there was a story recently about two people in Arizona that were busted for dealing marijuana, and they claimed that they were doing it on a religious basis as well. And they were very open. They weren't trying to, uh, to hide the fact that they were selling pot. They uh, were they had very, church websites, the yep, whole thing. They had a very, they were very public about it. I wonder if they're involved in uh, in that particular lawsuit. Um, I think they set up one extra church in another state. That might be the that might be part of it. Interesting, uh, the California one. Let us know what happens with that, David. And thank you sure. for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. One eight hundred two five nine. 92.31, quick email from Dink. He says, oops, please don't give my name out. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I didn't know. Uh, he says, I'm listening to the MP3 of your Saturday show, and you said that I didn't give his email address out, and he asked that I not do that. You said that the government could not stop illegal immigration by building a wall, searches, etc. You're wrong, but not for the reason the proponents claim. By building a wall, doing random searches, etc., the government would stifle freedom. As freedom suffers, the economy will go south as well. After all, you can't have a free market without actually being free. Continuing this policy long enough, and you'll end up with an environment that no one would want to live in, and thus end illegal immigration. Right, not a lot of people breaking into um, East Berlin. Yeah, I would say you'd not only would you end illegal immigration that way, but you'll end all immigration. You'll also end emigration as well. You... <laughs> if uh, if they crack down hard enough, you won't be able to come in, and you won't be able to go out, and no one will want to come in ever again to this country, because it'll be a desolate wasteland of crap. Just anti-freedom policies, random roadblocks, searches, just destruction of freedom. That's the path we're going down right 
now. Yeah, and we're, you know we're we're singing along the way. We're uh, you know the American people seem to be happy about the whole idea. The, the American people are wall. too. They're they're too they're too busy uh, watching American Idol. They're too busy caring about. Anna Nicole Smith. Well, but the ones that are paying attention to the immigration but issue. But they're not even really paying attention. They're just hearing what the politicians and Rush Limbaugh are saying about it. And they're taking they're taking the word from Rush as uh, what, what the one guy said on the Saturday show recently. We ought to listen a little more carefully to what Rush has to say. He suggested that we should uh, trust Rush a little bit more. So, no, 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 no. You don't trust people on the radio. They're just people, too, and you don't know them. Take the information, check it out yourself, make your own decisions. But people in America aren't making their own decisions. They're allowing the talking heads to make their decisions for them. Oh, Rush is a Republican. I'm a Republican. So whatever Rush says must be the truth. Oh, Al Franken, he's a Democrat. I'm a Democrat. So whatever Al Franken says or whatever Republican, Democrat, Congress people, Congress critters, politicians say must be true. Why should I bother thinking about these things? Hey, don't I have American Idol to watch? Honey! Let's turn on the TV set and kick back with some brewskis. That's what Americans are busy doing. They're not paying attention to anything. Even the ones that are so-called paying attention are completely clueless. We'll be back tomorrow night online. In the meantime, freetalklive.com. Do you like to build things? Have you ever cut wood with a tool? Are you tired of poor quality goods found in the Megalomart? If you answered yes to any of these questions, woodcraftplans.com has a fun project for you to make. We have hundreds of blueprints and patterns which can help all skill levels of craftspeople make wooden lawn furniture, bedroom furniture, yard decor like wishing wells and shadow figures, rocking horses, and a lot more. Visit woodcraftplans.com today. Get a plan and start building. That's woodcraftplans.com.